The reading is from Philippians chapter 1 and the first 11 verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much, uh, Karen, for that reading. Thank you, Jenny, for leading us in our prayers um, today. Um, now, this uh, sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? The final sermon before my retirement. Um, uh, I've spelt retirement with a Y in my book here because retirement is about preparing for the next stage of the journey with new tires. So I'm not hanging up my boots uh, and neither am I hanging up my Bible or my preaching notes. <clears throat> But as I uh, thought about what I would speak to you about today, um, there's one passage that leapt out at me and said, preach me, preach me. And it was this passage from Philippians chapter one. Uh, the reason uh, that, that, it, that, it, that I feel that it, this is what I should preach today is that it's a letter from Paul and Timothy who describe themselves as servants of Christ Jesus. And, and that is what I am, that is what Karen is, that is what all of us are who are called to follow Jesus, to become servants, uh, not of a, of a vindictive master, but of a servant king. And so all that we have done and all that we've tried to do is to serve Jesus uh, and to, to make, make him known. So it's from Paul and Timothy, the servants, but it's to all the saints overseers and deacons. Now, I don't know which one of you, what you think you are. Um, some of you are, are deacons, and um, I tell you that deacon also means servant. That doesn't give you any cause to boast. Um, overseers, uh, that's sometimes translated bishops, but it's people who are looking after the church, overseeing the work of God. But what about saints? Are they special people like Mother Teresa and uh, St. Paul? Uh, no, indeed. The saints are the holy ones who are made holy by Jesus. That's all of us. That's you, and it's me, and it's, uh, it's all of us. So this letter is to all of us from a servant. And uh, as, as you read these opening greetings that Paul brings to the church at Philippi, um, he says some things which I heartily concur with. He he thanks God for all of you, and we thank God for uh, our three and a bit years here in Fivehead. We thank God for this village and particularly for this church community, 
and for all of you who mean so much to us. Thank you for welcoming us and walking with us on this journey. And then Paul goes on to say, I pray with joy. Uh, this letter is, uh, is uh, described as a letter of joy. Um, and um, throughout the letter, uh, joy and rejoice uh, are phrase, uh, words that come up very, very frequently. Paul loves this church. Uh, and he loves them and he prays with joy because of their partnership in the gospel. Now, you've probably heard me say this many times, but that word partnership is actually a, a Greek word that could mean fellowship, it could mean communion, uh, sharing. Uh, but here Paul chooses, to, uh, the, the translator has chosen to use the word partnership because that's what we are. We are partners in the gospel. Uh, church is not about a minister who does all the work while people cheer him on from the, from the benches or from the, from the stands in the football ground. Uh, that's the wrong image. We are all partners in the gospel. Uh, and he says partnership from the first day until now. The first day. Well, um, the first day of my ministry here uh, was when we moved here uh, on the 20th of April, 2017. Uh, and uh, since then until now, we have been partners in the gospel. But what was the real first day? Well, um, I can tell you that on Tuesday, the 12th of July, um, I was busy up in Tosterdown. I just uh, led two assemblies at Hillcrest School. And that afternoon was due to do um, a, a service for some retired people in a, in a home um, with Karen. And I got a telephone call from uh, and a visit from Nigel Manges, who's the regional minister for the Southwest. And he came and he told me about this little church uh, called Five Head that was looking for maybe a part-time pastor. And would I be interested? Well, of course, I went home and told Karen about this and Karen told me that she read in her Bible that very day in her Bible reading notes uh, a passage from Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 6 to 10. And um, this is uh, where it says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they tried to came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now this is exactly the passage that Mike was speaking about a few weeks ago, and sometimes God stops you doing something uh, that you think you should be doing. I was quite happy to stay at Tosserdown, but sometimes uh, we've been seeing should God um, move us on somewhere, and quite clearly he closed all of those doors. And then it says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now you could translate that in my mind, you could put from Macedonia, you could put five head. And it, it seemed to us to be a very strong conclusion that God was calling us to come down here. Um, confirm the call, which uh, was subsequently called confirmed by the church. Um, I'd like you to notice um, that the next two verses, it says they traveled off to Macedonia and they traveled to a place called Philippi. 
<laughs> and, and there they met a lady called Lydia and they founded a church at Philippi. And the letter we've been reading today of Philippians was Paul's letter to that church. The first church in, in what is now Greece. Macedonia is the, the old name for the northern part of Greece. This church was a church that Paul loved dearly. And uh, he, he founded it, he had grown with them, he hadn't spent all the time with them, but he, he kept in touch by letter and he loved that church dearly. But I also want to remind you that when Paul writes this letter, he is actually in prison. He is unable to visit them. Uh, so he was in his own kind of lockdown, uh, but a different kind of lockdown in a, in a Roman prison. And from his prison cell, Paul writes these next words. He, he longs to come and visit the Philippians, but he says this, He, I am confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, in, in the words of Magnus Magnuson, I've started, so I will finish. And, um, you know, that, they're words that actually uh, ring true to me uh, because, uh, personally, I am a completer finisher. Uh, I once did a Myers-Briggs personality test and um, you score each personality trait on, uh, out of 20. And one of them is whether you are a completer or whether you are somebody that likes to leave things half done. You know, some people are quite happy to have lots of un unfinished jobs and other people like to be finished off and complete. Now, I got 19 to one in terms of being a completer finisher. I hate it when things are unfinished. Although Karen could probably give you examples of things around our house that I have promised to do and haven't. Um, but I like to finish jobs. But of course, ministry is never finished. Uh, if, you, if you're going to come to do a job in ministry, uh, it's not a job where you can say, I've started and I've finished and everything's fine and that's it. There is always unfinished work in ministry. Um, hopefully, progress has been made, but there are always new issues, new challenges. It is never finished, and it never will be until the day that Jesus comes again to claim his church for himself. But sometimes people are called to a specific task for a particular period of time. And that's what I felt when I came here. We were called to be here for about three years until uh, the time for me to retire. Now, last week, uh, you may recall, I was talking to you about a bodger. And a bodger is um, a term that's often used for someone who does jobs not very well or leaves them unfinished. And um, Karen and I have been trying to renovate a house uh, and some of the work that was done before wasn't particularly well done, one might say. Um, but I don't like being a bodger in that sense. But on the other hand, I told you that a bodger is not someone who does a bad job, but someone who does part of a job. So a bodger works in the wood and they cut pieces of wood and they turn them down to the right shape to make legs for a chair. And then uh, another craftsman takes the legs that the bodger has made and puts them into the chair to make the completed article. So in that respect, I'm very happy to be a bodger because we have been here to, uh, to do a particular job for a certain number of years, and I'm very happy now to hand over that role to other people to complete that job. 
Now looking uh, behind us here in the church, there's a tablet up there and it's dedicated to Joshua Corp. And uh, Joshua Corp was the one who, who founded this church here and built this original building in 1866. So it's been around a very long time. Um, but you know, Joshua Corp wasn't the only person involved in building this church because on the 3rd of September, which was a Thursday in 1778, John Wesley preached up the road at Cathanger, which is now um, a barn and a, and a sort of a farmhouse. Um, and he preached there uh, to the people of Fivehead, who he found a particularly stubborn and difficult people. So he preached very plainly to them. But you know, John Wesley wasn't the first person who established a ministry here, because in 1698, the house of Robert Smith in Fivehead was certified as a dissenter's place of worship at a time of the Civil War when religious freedom was finally being granted, Robert Smith had people worshiping in his house in Fivehead. You see, we are all bodgers in that we take our place in the, in the growth of God's church. And there has been a succession of pastors who have led this church and there's been a succession of deacons and others who have led this church over many years. Now, if you want to read more about that, then Steve has put up onto the, web, onto the website uh, a history of the church that's been compiled. And uh, it's very interesting to read that. And what it tells me, history, I used to hate history at school. But actually, now with a bit of more hindsight, I understand the importance of history. And it tells me that I'm part of his story. History is God's story, and I'm just one small part of that. And it tells me that other people will continue the task. Now, that's a kind of a scary prospect because people might not do it the same way that I do it. Indeed, they might do it better. And the people that come after us will, will lead the church in a different way. It may not be the way that I would have done it, but actually, the important thing that Paul tells us is that he is confident of this, that God will bring it to completion. And we are just a lot of bodgers working on our journey, putting uh, our efforts into uh, building his kingdom and spreading his gospel. Now, as you know, uh, on Wednesday, when I reach that particular birthday, um, I'm due to retire. But I want you to, to know this, although some of you said some very kind things, uh, which we appreciate, um, I have still not yet heard God's voice saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And I long for that day when God will say those things to me. Um, but it won't be yet, I hope. Uh, uh, and even though I am retiring from my current role here, we are continuing in ministry. Ministry will look somewhat different. Um, you, may be, uh, you may be pleased to know though, I have already been booked to preach here again in the autumn, in the winter. But it will look different, but it will be all part of God's work for the church and for the growth of his kingdom. Now I want to leave this with uh, reading the, the prayer that Paul prays for the church at Philippi. Because this prayer, I, I can't better this prayer 
uh, as I pray for you, uh, the people of Five Head Baptist Church. And ourselves, in which we are included. Whether you are a saint, uh, an overseer or a deacon, this prayer is for you. This is my prayer, says Paul, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That's all about wisdom, isn't it? We've been thinking about wisdom from the Proverbs, to be able to uh, abound more in knowledge and depth of insight and discern what is best. And then that we might be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That is the final reckoning day when Jesus will come and call all those who followed him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But it hasn't come yet. And Paul goes on to say, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He prays for fruit. Now, we will not only be uh, leaving the church as pastor, uh, but actually we'll be leaving the manse. And we're terribly grateful for the manse. It's the loveliest house we've ever lived in, in all of our time. And a uh, wonderful garden. And I think you can see some flowers here that Karen picked uh, this morning from our garden. But not only flowers, but there's a lot of fruit in that garden and vegetables. Adrian and Judy have told us that we can actually come back and pick some of it. Otherwise, we'll be leaving it to somebody else. But, you know, that's what it's about, leaving the fruit for someone else to pick. That's the role of a bodger, doing the job for somebody else to complete. And one day, God will complete that job. So our prayer is that there will be much fruit. Just as we saw all the baptism pictures just a few minutes ago, there will be much fruit for the kingdom of God in these coming days. Uh, that's our hope and prayer. So let me read to you these words of Paul again. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus.